Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everyone. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. We're going to be recapping Auburn and talking about Vanderbilt a little bit, but more kind of just big picture stuff uh, about the season moving forward. And I think you all probably know that Vanderbilt is not really a, a big concern. Of course, me saying that, they will they will win. But um, no, the, the, the reason is uh, we'll get into some of the, the stats that make Vanderbilt a pretty weird one if you wanted to predict an, uh, an upset. Um, but first, we will, as always, talk about what we're drinking. I actually just opened a can of uh, a beer that's brewed, I think it's here in Austin. Nope, it's in Houston. Um, from Carbach Brewing Company. Uh, it is called Yule, Y-U-L-E, shoot your eye out. And um, I don't know if you can see, like, it's branded with uh, a Christmas story uh, stuff. So there's, like, the lamp with the... Yeah, the mannequin and, lamp. Uh, across the top, it says, like, it's a major award, and it has uh, references, things like that. And it's It's fun. Uh, and it's, it's a very tasty thing. It only comes out, uh, I guess it comes out in the fall. Uh, this is the first time I've seen it this year in stores. Cool. Cool. Uh, but it also I'm tastes not... good. It's not just like a weird novelty, novelty <laughs> can of beer. It, it's a good tasting beer. Yeah. I, I generally like Christmas kind of seasonal beers. Uh, it seems like that, I don't know, brings out some good options. Um, I'm not drinking anything particularly interesting, just a, a pour of my, my normal rum that I've been sipping on lately. So nothing, nothing fun to share. It's, it's Tuesday night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about Auburn. So Ole Miss won 28, Uh, Ole Miss should have won by a lot more. Uh, and in some ways they did like, it is weird to say that it was a seven-point game when it was so clear that Auburn couldn't move the football that the most important thing they could do is let their let Auburn's last full drive take up a lot of clock, and it did. It took up it took a long time for them to move down the field. They got sacked several times. They con they con- converted like fourth and fifteen or something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, Auburn, Auburn's offense is like horribly inept. Uh, before that final drive of Auburn's, uh, they had passed for 45 yards against Ole Miss. And the running game outside of a 53-yard run by Jarquez Hunter, Jarquez Hunter, excuse me, uh, was also not especially good. So those things combine, you know, it's it's tough for Auburn. I, I've actually seen. It's weird. Like Auburn's three and four. They're seven games in with a brand new coach, and they booed him. <laughs> at the game. Man, I mean, I guess they didn't necessarily boo him. They booed the team. Like yeah, you think I'd about that, that in contrast with Hugh Freeze's first season at Ole Miss, and it was just like, oh my gosh, we're okay. Hmm. Yeah, the 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 shine is is off of Hugh Freeze in a lot of ways. I I still think he's a good coach. I still yeah, think he will probably make Auburn a lot better next year. But 
But yeah, some of that thought that he's just a miracle worker has worn off. Um, and and some of the realities are, are setting in, maybe. I mean, you know, they could win the national title next year. It's the portal era. He is he is a good salesman. I guess anything could happen. But but yeah, it it I have this game circled as as like a trap game you know, since they hired Hugh Freeze, basically. And mm-hmm. and it was good to see us win in unimpressive fashion, you know, where where we clearly didn't have our, our best game, especially on offense. I mean, defense, yeah. it seems like, was was pretty phenomenal, except for the last drive, but, you know. Yeah, the Ole Miss defense, we'll get into this a little bit later, but, like, uh, I think part of it is we're getting swept up in the fact that we've played two inept offenses in Auburn and Arkansas in a row, but... You you and I both know that like Olmus has a history of making inept offenses that have a, you know a few talented players look like they're not inept. Uh, yeah, and that hasn't happened. Like two weeks in a row, they have just really really crushed opposing offenses. Now, the Olmus offense hasn't really like succeeded all that much in these two weeks, so it's really been on the defense to to have have these really close gutty wins, and they've gotten it done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so you you definitely feel good if you're Ole Miss going two and zero, or you know three and zero in the last three games, but the last two of which were pretty unimpressive. Like what what the offense especially put out on the field, uh, you got to feel pretty good about that. But is it going to get better? <laughs> I guess that's right. The, exactly. Exactly. The main question for the rest of the season, huh? It's tough because like A and M, you know, everybody wants to just look ahead to Georgia uh, and we'll talk about Georgia in a little bit, but um, A and M is not going to be easy. No, like no, their, their defense is quite solid and their offense, you know, it's Okay. Um, Ole Miss, the Ole Miss offense has has to really have a good game against A and M for Ole Miss to win that. That. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it'll be. Uh, I mean, I'm sure philosophy wise, these two teams are are very different, but it seems like A and M is just sort of like a almost prep game for Georgia with a similar team. You know, super athletic defense doesn't have everything put together on offense, but has, you know, some capability there as well. And five-star players everywhere on the field. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, especially if Georgia lacks uh, Brock Bowers by the time our game rolls around. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he, he definitely adds something else to their offense that would make that game a lot more intimidating. I mean, it'll be intimidating either way, but. But yeah, I didn't realize until there are reports of his injury exactly how you know much of a focal point he was for, for oh. Georgia. He has oh. more he has more reception yards than their leading running back does rushing yards. Like yeah, yeah, crazy. no, he. I mean, nothing was working for them, and they've just leaned on him, and it has worked. <laughs> uh, that's the way they beat Auburn. It was a back and forth game. And then they just decided they were just going to give it to Bowers over and over again. And 
Auburn couldn't stop it. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't ever wish for an injury, but I would love it if he's feeling great by that week, but they decide, you know what, like, I'm just, I need to take it easy this week, like rest my, you know, my body and really don't want to overdo it. I'm just going to sit this one out. That, that would be great. A precautionary yeah. scratch. How about that? A precautionary mm-hmm. scratch. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so Jackson Dart, uh, you know, I was texting you all through the game. Um, in the first half, he was he was really bad. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, Ole Miss has had plenty of worse QB performances than the first half. I don't mean to overstate it. But in terms of the quarterback that we know he's capable of being, he was not that in the first half. Um he had, of course, the pick, which was thrown behind Zachary Franklin, who was very open and, you know, just needed the ball out in front of him uh, for a huge gain. And then he had, uh, he missed Ulysses Bentley down the sideline um, on a surefire touchdown where he had plenty of space. Um, but I don't mean to rag on the guy. He obviously got it done. He ran very well all game uh, and ultimately ended up with a QBR that was actually pretty good. Uh, his QBR was 86.2, which is his fourth best on the year. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that he had a bad game and still managed to be incredibly productive, especially by mixing in some some significant runs. And they didn't call a lot of passing plays. There were 18 total passes, one of which was the... Uh, Field goal that wasn't. Yeah, the fire squad. Yeah, that was pretty unfortunate. So, yeah, I I wasn't actually able to watch the game when it was on. I've had to piece it together through you know different highlight reels and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I probably haven't seen most of the lowlights of of Dart through this game. Yeah. But yeah. the highlights, you know, it it looked good. It didn't look mm-hmm. like he was off all night. It it really just seemed like we weren't trying to place an emphasis on the, on the pass or in getting dart, you know, comfortable. Yeah. Um, I mean, we definitely, we definitely weren't uh, 56 runs to 18 passes. Uh, the runs were generally pretty effective. The team shot itself in the foot a million times and then still won. Um, yeah. Like there was, <laughs> I don't remember the exact stat, but like at halftime or something, uh, I don't think we can see that. I don't think there's a way to see the split. But um, at halftime, the Ole Miss offense hit out gained Auburn by like 150 yards and it was tied. Yeah. Something absurd like that, where it was just like, gosh, please. You know, Auburn had a scoring drive of 30 yards after they intercepted uh, a pass and then returned it really long, really far. And they had the 53-yard touchdown run. And that is basically the Auburn offense. That's basically what it was the entire entire game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet it was close. Yeah. I mean, that interception return, obviously a phenomenal play. But how many times out of 100 does does that play result in, you know, a 50-yard interception return? Right. You know? Right. Very, very, very low percentage <laughs> thing to happen. Um, very fortunate on on their part um, for it to even be intercepted because it just it's one of those where the 
defensive back didn't really make much of a play on it. It just, right. yeah, it was tipped right to him. Uh, yeah. And then he had just an, you know, perfect seam to run up uh, on the return. <laughs> like, just very bad luck. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it was just one of those plays. Uh, yeah, but uh, Slavi play, of course, the, the field goal, fire squad thing, uh, a muffed punt by Dayton Wade that actually got Jordan Watkins and his broken hand club uh, back to returning punts, which seemed like a horrible idea to me, but he caught him. He caught every punt. I mean, I, mean, I don't understand it, but he caught him. Why, why is fielding punts such a hard thing at the college level? Because yeah. it's, it's really not in the NFL. Understandably, they're pros. Yeah. Uh, but I mean... I've I've done it in like JV football. It's hard. I don't like it. But I was very bad at football. <laughs> I was still, you know, like okay at it. I don't I don't see how a team of a hundred guys who each were the best player at their high school why it's still hard to find a guy who can field punts. Yeah. Or one who can reliably catch them and doesn't have a club hand. Yeah, uh, yeah. Throw, and then there was, there, you know, I don't know. Right. Yeah, and then the pick, and I already mentioned Dart struggles a little bit. And then Sunterian Perkins. Um, Sunterin Perkins. Sunterin, right? Sunterin? I don't I know. So. It seems like they pronounce it differently every single time on the broadcast. Yeah. Um, anyway, he, uh, he was the uh, contain... He, he was assigned to contain on Jarquez Hunter's 53-yard touchdown, and he just totally missed him, um, and, and that was that was it. Uh, but, you know, he, he had a good game other than that. he There was one time that he seemingly teleported to make a, a tackle for a loss, um, and I think he even also had a, a, a sack to go along with that. Let me, let me look was, at the old box score to make sure. He was the SEC co-freshman of the week. Yeah. Okay. No, he, he did not have a sack, but he did have a tackle for loss. Uh, and yeah, it was like suddenly he was not there and then suddenly he was one of those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, another thing, I, I don't know if you were able to catch this because of how you had to sort of watch portions, but um, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, definitely his best game. And I don't just say that like, yes, he led the team in tackles with seven and he had two tackles for loss. Um I noticed him in the game and in a good way. And I have not noticed him in a good way in any other game. Uh, but in this game where, you know, Auburn, we knew Auburn was going to be running a lot. Like he made, he, he found the holes, closed them. He reliably and consistently brought down the ball carrier, like without them gaining anything. Uh, it was the first game where I was like, okay, okay, this is why this guy, you know, was really successful at his previous stop. Uh, and, you know, this is why UCF really valued him um, and, and why Ole Miss valued him. Uh, it, it sort of came out in, in this game. But mm -hmm. on the flip side, Monty Montgomery, who, um, you know, transferred from Louisville, uh, he did not play in the game as far as I, as I know. I, I don't believe there's an injury unless it's been not disclosed. 
Uh, last season at Louisville, he had 70 tackles. Yeah. This season through seven games, he has 18. Yeah, not not the expected impact from him. I I don't think I expected him to be a superstar, but I definitely expected him to start and to be, you know, mm-hmm. in our in our top, I don't know, four linebackers. Yeah. And it's yeah, he's he's probably not in the top four right now. No, he's not. I mean you got I guess it depends on sort of how we're categorizing Perkins, but he seems like a linebacker. They they play him on the edge sometimes. It doesn't really work when they do, but he's a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got John Baptiste, Perkins, Ashanti Sistrunk, and Kari Coleman. Kari Coleman. That's definitely the top four. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right about John Baptiste. Uh he he definitely popped even on the highlight tape, just you know, making plays that I didn't. I wasn't sure he was that athletic through the through the first few games. So that's that's good. Yeah, I think he's he's showing a little more upside than than we thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hate to go back and forth between offense and defense, but we haven't really talked about Quinshawn Judkins um, or Ulysses Bentley. So uh, they their carry distribution. Judkins had twenty one. Bentley had seventeen. So you know, pretty even split. Um, Quinchon was the the decisive winner in this one. Uh, 21 carries for 124 yards, about a 5.9 yards per carry and no touchdown. Ulysses Bentley, 17 for 52, 3.1 yards per carry, no touchdown. Um, and Bentley had one catch for 10 yards. Obviously, it's still great to have Bentley. I mean, he, he served an important part in this team, this this game. Uh, but it is nice to see the freshman All-American, uh, you know, and now actual, not actual All-American, preseason All-American, uh, really coming into his own and having a good series of games after a struggle to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd I'd rather him turn it on against LSU and Auburn than, you know, to Georgia Tech. Or, yeah, yeah, Georgia Tech. So, yeah, maybe maybe he'll just totally hit his stride. You know, maybe he just kind of started the season a little apprehensive or was a little banged up and it just didn't show or something. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah man, the, the team needs Quinshawn Judkins if it's going to have the kind of season that it, that it wants to have, especially, I don't know, given the kind of tenuous – situation at receiver still, you know, it's it would yeah. have trouble getting healthy guys on the field, even though there's some talented dudes. Uh, Trey Harris is so good though, man. Oh no, he really, really, really he's, is. He's uh, so good. <laughs> and Caden Priestcorn, gosh, yeah. he was excellent. Also, uh, and obviously, obviously he's a really good blocker as well. He, he's someone that you notice uh, as a blocker and that's uncommon for tight ends. Yeah, he's, an exceptional blocker it watching him on running plays. It's like he makes it look so obvious, like, Oh, well, that's clearly what you're supposed to do. Why can't we get another tight end to like even attempt to do that? But yeah, it's like, clearly that was the assignment. So yeah. Yeah. He's intuitive and really good at it. Um, But no, his first reception, I think it was his first reception of the night. It was, yeah. Uh, What a pass by Jackson dart. He literally just, put it in pre-scorn's pocket. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, 
such a crazy play. Just like he identified kind of what side the defender was on and literally just put it on Prescorn's other hip. It was kind mm-hmm. of like a back back shoulder sort of thing. Um, incredible throw. Uh, yeah. And, and catch too, because there's a guy draped all over him. Um, yeah, man. Prescorn making big plays. That's that's super exciting. Yeah. I mean, that that guy's just awesome. He's, he's so good. Um, okay. So, Hugh Freeze. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's always a good sign when game seven, you're still trying to decide who your quarterback should be for the season. Um, and we sort of talked about this a little bit last week, but having seen them uh, against uh, Ole Miss and, you know, spending the entire time watching the game, it's just like, it can't be the fact that both of those quarterbacks are just so bad that they can't do anything. Like, he is not scheming them well. They're not, you know, he's not getting people open, you know, scheming people open, that sort of thing. Like, I don't know. I, I Like you, I think that he's a good coach. And once he's able to really recruit, which he's doing a great job of, and get his guys in, uh, you know, they'll be fine. But it is a little strange that they are this bad. Yeah. Like, really is. this is terrible. It really is. And I don't know. Do you think there's some lack of buy-in in his among the players or something like that? Like maybe. I don't know. Just the portal era is weird. Making a hire like freeze is is weird. It's not like players don't read the papers. Right. Well, read read the news on their phones. They don't read the papers. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. That's a weird hire. How would, how would, how would you feel if a dude coming out from under a massive scandal was hired to be, you know, your coach, you'd probably at least feel like a little weird about it. I don't know. And who was the coach of a, an above average, but not spectacular Liberty team. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say Liberty was far exceeding that program's expectations, but yeah, yeah, no. but I mean, point taken. Yeah, and you know they they lost a bunch of games they shouldn't have, um, especially last year. Like, obviously, the same thing happened for them that happened for Ole Miss. Like, suddenly their their coach was looking around and they just lost focus. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. The only other thing I wanted to talk about with Hugh Freeze was the the double pass um, where. He, you know, smartest guy in the room, he decides to put in his third string quarterback because obviously if your first two quarterbacks are horrible, then might as well put the ball in the hands of your third stringer who um, lined up at wide receiver with an arm sleeve <laughs> to make it to try to make it look like he was a receiver so that we wouldn't know that he's a he's a quarterback. Hilarious. And they 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 like lateral it back to him and Dijon Anthony is just like, no, no. No, no, I got this. Just blows him up on this huge third down play. How is Freeze still doing that? Just I like, I like to think it was like a wink and a nod to just <laughs> diehard the diehard Ole Miss fans. It's like, hey guys, remember this? <laughs> I'm still doing this. I'm still doing this. 
just this one play, he just like broke the fourth wall and was like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe if he had put, if he had, uh, let's see, who would have been, who would have been a, a backup quarterback? Was Did he coach Billy Tapp at some point? Mm, no, uh, that was, I think that was all Houston nut. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause Billy Tapp was recruited by, Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, well then I don't yeah, know. I don't know who, uh, Barry Burnetti, actually Barry Burnetti would not have been the worst player to put in that situation. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, um, enough Hugh freeze. Other thing I want to talk about, about this game, the last thing, uh, and it's not really even necessarily about this game. Pete Golding. Um, I think it's pretty inarguable that he was a spectacular hire. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny to hear Alabama fans continue to talk like they got rid of somebody that was holding them back. But, right. you know, he he may have had problems as Alabama's defensive coordinator, but like we just needed someone who was capable of being Alabama's defensive coordinator for, <laughs> you know, right. Instead of someone who wouldn't be a, a coordinator at most P five teams, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I think his his impact, both in recruiting and scheming, has has been pretty remarkable. And you know, it doesn't all happen at once, but the the direction is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I think um, he's recruiting, you know, defensive players the likes of which Ole Miss doesn't really have very many at the moment, um, and building a defensive line class that would be the best overall defensive line class Ole Miss has probably ever signed. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you guess? Oh yeah, absolutely. The only one that would, I don't know, measure up to it would be the Kim Dishi class or the one with like Greg Hardy and Ted Laurent. And I don't know, there's a couple that you could throw in there, but Mar- I, Marcus, Marcus Tillman and Greg Hardy were signed in the same class, right? That was, that was a pretty good one. I'm um, pretty sure. Yeah, and Ted Laurent, who is also good. Um, yeah, um, and then maybe another guy or two. But but yeah, Robert Kimdichi, who, who else was in Robert Kimdichi's class? Uh, it almost doesn't matter. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. He was the number one player in the country. But but yeah, this is this is probably the best overall. I mean, unless it just is filled with busts, you know, which doesn't seem likely. But but yeah, yeah. phenomenal job. Uh, you compare it to the 2019 recruiting class where there are all these four-star defensive linemen in state. And then we got like none of them. Uh, I think that was the year that Derek Hall went to Auburn. Byron Young went to Alabama. Um, Jamont Gordon went to Auburn, although we eventually got him back. A um, couple other guys. Yeah, state got a couple. We just got nobody. Like <laughs> there are all yeah. these dudes. We got none of them. Uh, yeah, truly, truly terrible. That was the class that had Jerry and Ely, which is like the sole 
redeeming thing for the in-state class um, that and John Rice Plumley. But, but yeah, man, sorry, I'm way off track now, but no, it's okay. I think you're right. I think you're right. So, um, yeah, Robert Comedici uh, and Fadal Brown were in the same class. That Those were the only two. Uh, oh, and LaVon Hooks. Those were the three defensive linemen in that class. That's good, though. Those yeah. guys are good. Yeah. All three of them. Definitely. Um, okay, let's very briefly talk about Vanderbilt. Uh, and when I say very briefly, I mean, like, let me just talk about them for a minute because I – I looked at their team rankings like I do for every team that Ole Miss is about to play, and it was just so clear that this was not worth breaking down uh, offensively. So they averaged 2.7 yards per carry on offense, uh, and that is not good. That is 127th in the country. Um, they averaged 7.6 yards per pass, which is good for 51st. So I guess, like, you know. Of the two, that's that's good. Uh, they pass a lot. They're also down a lot, so they have to pass a lot. Uh, they throw a bunch of picks. 3.2% of their passes are picks, which is 90th in the country. Uh, yeah, offensively, they're not good. Uh, they're they're not catastrophic offensively, but they're they're quite bad. Um, defensively, they are horrible, 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 horrible. So. On their overall statistics, I'm going to read. So this teamrankings.com categorizes like seven things in overall statistics. And then they go into yards per everything and all that sort of stuff. But let me let me tell you the rankings of Vanderbilt's defense in these overall categories. Opponents okay. points per game, 126th. Opponent yards per game, 120th. Opponent points per play, 121st. Opponent yards per play, 121st. Opponent third down conversion, 131st. Opponent fourth down conversion, 118th. Those are the overall statistics that team rankings have. Like, what? <laughs> so they don't do anything well? So they, okay, on, on yards per rush allowed, they are 114th at 5.1 yards per carry. 5.1 yards per carry. And then... On defense, I, I'm sorry, On in the passing game, 7.9 yards per pass allowed, which is 94th in the country. So they don't defend anything well. They don't get to the quarterback. They're, they're 97th in the country at getting to the quarterback. Like, this is a bad, 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 bad defense and a not very good offense. Yeah, I mean, I certainly wasn't worried about this game. I do anticipate looking up at some point during the first half and being like, what's going on here? But then, mm -hmm. but then we'll pull it out. I don't know. It, it's just smooth I, I, sailing it, it wins. Could definitely be, it could definitely be one of those games. Oh, sorry to talk over you. You go no. ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say smooth sailing SEC wins. It's not really an Ole Miss thing. So I don't expect it, but I do expect a win and we'll probably pull away at the end. Yeah. It could definitely be one of those games that like for a quarter and a half, uh, we just sort of like maybe don't think that we're going to lose at any point, but are just like, ugh, we're doing this again. You know, like, mm -hmm. why can we not just pull away and dominate against teams we're supposed to beat? Uh, only other thing I wanted to say about Vanderbilt 
is a big picture question about Vanderbilt. So is there ever a situation where Vanderbilt has any form of relevance again? I mean, sure. You can never say never. Um, I think NIL is probably their biggest obstacle right now. Just not, not only the raising money part, but when you add this whole like transfer portal thing in um, trying to recruit more mature players and stuff like that, it's harder to transfer into Vanderbilt, right? Like that's, that's probably going to be a hard scene for them. I don't know. It is. They also, so, so here's, here, here's one reason I think that it's going to be a ton harder for them. Um, they lose Ole Miss as a permanent opponent. And I know that's like hilarious for me to say as an Ole Miss fan, but no, you know, Ole Miss is often not good or not, you know, so good that Vanderbilt can't compete. Uh, yeah. It's like, they also get away from the shelter of the East, right? Like, Mm -hmm. They will more consistently have to play some of the West teams that they've been able to relatively consistently avoid. Yeah, playing Kentucky and South Carolina every year. And usually Missouri. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And recently Florida. Yeah, that's been Oftentimes Tennessee, like, who, you know, there have been years where the East was just like, ugh. Mm -hmm. And then you'd look over the West and just be like, oh, four top ten teams, cool. Yep. Yep. Fun times. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll, it'll be tough for them. You know, it would probably take a generational quarterback situation and who knows when that might happen again. You know, that's just, it's harder and harder for, for a Jay Cutler to, to play his whole career at Vanderbilt, you know? Yeah. To stay. Exactly. It's almost like what they have to have is get a transfer from somebody who like, you know, excels as a freshman at a lower level and Vanderbilt decides to take that guy when like they're sort of, sort of one of his best offers. And then it turns out that he's really good and he can't transfer again because of the transfer portal rules, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a pretty specific situation. But, uh, I know. I know. It is. I know it is. <laughs> but, but yeah, point that that's a, that's a good question. And I think you never say never, but you, you can certainly say probably, almost certainly not. Yeah, so definitely, like, there can be a year here and there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, things just happen. Maybe their schedule sorts out for, well for a year and that sort of stuff. Two years, whatever. But, like, you know, we saw under James Franklin, we saw relatively sustained success. It's tough to imagine that happening again for Vanderbilt. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that James Franklin has stuck with Penn State and done well. They're like the least talked about perennial top 10 team yeah. imaginable. You never hear anything about them. They, they rarely seem to win like the big game, but they win like all the other games. Um, yeah. Interesting program. Yeah, I mean, they're overshadowed by Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, of course. But yeah. Um, okay, so I did want to. There are a couple of Ole Miss stats that I wanted to throw in here as sort of a popcorn uh, thing, because um, I've talked a lot about other people's stats. Uh, 
Ole Miss offense is 18th in yards per game. And I think that offensive struggles in some of the games may have sort of, or excuse me, offensive inability to score in some of the games may have clouded our view kind of of the type of pace this team is on. Um, and, I, you know, offensively, it's just, it's productive, even if they struggle sometimes to like convert on third down and things like that. And I know those things are more important, like total yards is a stupid stat, but it's still like telling relative to if they were 70th in total yards per game. Sure. Uh, and then <laughs> I, I think you probably can't see this in the show notes, but penalties. So, you know, Ole Miss fans, we complain about the, the refs and everything and like, you know, maybe that's overplayed, right? No, it's not. It's not overplayed because I think we can all agree that like in general penalties are not some sign of like an undisciplined team or whatever the hell that means. Uh, it's often just like who got caught for what. And, you know, there are some times that like a player holds a lot because they're being overmatched or, you know, something, whatever it may be. But in general, it's just kind of like, okay, you happen to get penalized on, on those plays, whatever. Um, Ole Miss, in terms of the penalties it commits, is 102nd in penalties per play, 112th in penalties per game, uh, 111th in penalty yards per game, and 87th in penalty yards per penalty. <laughs> Uh, so penalized a whole lot, right? Yes. Uh, and, and when they're penalized, they're penalized for a good bit on the flip side. Uh, Ole Miss opponent penalties per play. And these numbers, if you, if you were number one at this, that would mean that your opponent was penalized a lot, right? Right. 110th in, in opponent penalties per play. 99th in opponent penalties per game, 115th in opponent opponent penalty yards per game, and 124th in opponent penalty yards per penalty. I'm going to say penalty again. Uh, But Ole Miss is penalized a lot. Its opponents are not penalized a lot. And like, yeah, kind of is what we think, right? Like, maybe they're... Maybe the refs penalize Ole Miss a lot and don't penalize their opponents. Like the stats back it up. I need I need time to to let all of that sink in. <laughs> I'll I'll circle back to that next week. Yeah. Uh, no, everybody, everybody, this is everybody's favorite part of the podcast. Like me just saying a bunch of numbers. But um, no, suffice it to say, Ole Miss is penalized a lot. Its opponents are not, and like on a huge level, not just like eh, we're sort of penalized. They're kind of not like. Worst in penalty, or not worst, close to worst in penalties, close to worst in opponent penalties. Like, at some point, at some point, it is not just bad luck. At some point, it is refs intentionally calling penalties against Ole Miss and not calling penalties against opponents. Yeah, I mean, it sure does seem like that a lot. And then you're like, you should be more objective. It can't really be that bad. You're just biased. And <laughs> no, I know, and, right? Right? And there's... Like, that's data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think I think everyone can agree that 
penalties are obviously an important part of the game, but like when a when a team commits a lot of penalties, it doesn't necessarily mean that like they're dirty players or you know like they hold a lot. You know that they're called for holding a lot. They're called for like weird PI penalties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like we've done a good job of avoiding like the personal foul variety of, of penalties. Yeah. It seems like yeah. we, we more get the, the holding, the false start, the offsides, the pass interference, and not so much the, the targeting and the late hit and, and, and stuff, which I don't know. I guess take take from that what you will. But to me, that points toward the fact that it's, it's not like only this is penalized because they're a dirty team. You know, backing right. up what you were saying. I don't know. Right. Uh, okay, last thing here. I think last week we actually didn't even do this. Uh, but maybe that's because we were coming off the bye, so nothing had changed really. Um how I think last time we did this, we were both at nine and three on our predictions for the season. Has that changed for you? Man, I'm a I'm a go on and do it. I'm a say we go ten and two. I I know there's a lot of hay left to be put in the barn, but I think they get it done against A and M. I think they lose against Georgia. I mean, it depends on. I don't know. It could be a instant classic or we could just be really flat the entire time. I don't know, but I think we lose. Um, and yeah, man, that that's 10 and two at this point. I think we went out other than that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only other game we could possibly lose is state. Um, I'm actually still on nine and three. Uh, I, I'm very worried about A&M mm-hmm. and I think that as of right now, I would think we, we might, we would, I would pick A&M to win that. Uh, but I'm much closer to 10 and two than I am eight and four. Yeah. Like world world's closer to 10 and two than I am eight and four. Yeah. And I mean... it's funny because go, coming into the season, I think that a lot of people, myself included, sort of took an approach of like eight and four would be fine and would be, you know, capitalizing on a pretty good year that sort of thing like no no eight and four at this point would be like real bad yeah yeah to lose to someone other than AM or georgia would be super upsetting at this point i mean state state will get up for the game but they just do not have an offense um no yeah live and... to win <laughs> <laughs> Uh, isn't that great that they've been involved in two of just the all-time snooze fests uh, yeah. of, of modern football? Um, yeah, seven to three. D- did you watch any of that game? No, I didn't watch any of that game. <laughs> I don't hate myself. Uh, it was Saturday. I I also didn't watch that game, but look, looking at the box score, first of all, KJ Jefferson passed for three point one yards per completion mm. 3.1 will rogers action uh yeah yeah and then uh they they didn't throw much uh, state didn't throw much but M- mike wright 
threw for 85 yards on 12 attempts and ran it 11 times for 60 yards. Anyway, uh, yeah, that, it didn't go very well for State, but they their defense dominated. So, yeah, it'll be an inter- interesting game. I think Ole Miss will win. Yeah. We will be back next week and recapping Vanderbilt. Probably not very much, uh, but then talking about the looming game against A&M. So talk to you then.